So, let's continue in our thoughts about what it means to be a people of faith. So, there are a lot of famous people uh, with faith in Christ, but there are a lot of non-famous people, like every person in this congregation who confesses Christ as Lord, you are a person of faith, by definition. So what does it actually mean? Detail of what it means to be a person of faith. Well, faith means you trust. If you've got faith in your doctor and you go along with a pain in your hip or whatever, you trust him, I hope you do, or her, that they will give you the right diagnosis and you trust that you will be sent if you need to the hospital, maybe for a hip replacement, and you trust the doctors and the nurses, especially if you go to uh, Mount Vernon, they're brilliant. But it's we have trust in people. Sometimes you don't trust in the doctor because they're giving you a wrong diagnosis. But trusting in God is one of the basics of the Christian life. You trust God for forgiveness, first of all. So much of it is every aspect of our daily life. God says, trust me for everything. Cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. And this is a process. It's a process of learning. We start off in the Christian life really bouncy, and then troubles come and time goes on, we get older. And we, if we are deepening in our faith, our trust will go to every area of our life. And God will make sure it, it does, because Jesus trusted God for every area of his life. So it's a process. If you want a big word, it's the process of sanctification, of being made more like Christ, more and more doing and trusting in the will of God. Secondly, we are called by God. Now, sometimes you've got some famous people of faith that we'll be looking at later in the service, and they were called by God to do something very specific, maybe to, maybe to care for the homeless, maybe to go and be a minister. Sometimes that call of God is more general. It's a call to serve. Now, I don't particularly think that anybody on the tea and coffee rotor is called by God to do tea and coffee. But nevertheless, it is a call to serve one another. And that's throughout the Bible. Serve one another, love one another. So when you see something needing doing, don't walk away turn around and say, is that actually something I can do? And sometimes we can't do it, and it's right to say no, because we can't do it. But God has created us for good works. That's his words, not mine. And these are the good works that show people that we are the Lord's. So it's a call by God, whether it be specific or general. And finally, it's viewing life from God's perspective. Because we look at things in our world and we say, oh, and turn around in despair and say there's nothing that can be done. That is true. I'm not saying that all the bad things that are happening are, oh, rose-tinted, not at all, they are bad. But truth is when we look beyond to God's perspective, God's reality. In the Greek, truth means as it really is. And God's reality is higher than our reality. So when we meet a problem that looks totally impassable, has a solution, but that means trust. 
and that means seeking God. So it's viewing life from God's perspective, which read your Bible and you will find more and more of that perspective. Listen to Lectio 365, brilliant. You get more of God's perspective. And again, it's process. You know, you're not gonna, as a young Christian or as someone who is maturing in the faith, you're not gonna see everything from God's perspective because his perspective is way bigger than ours. It's way deeper than ours. But eventually, bit by bit by bit, as time goes on. So I'm going to look, our first example of a man of faith, I'm going to look at the story of Noah as it is found in Genesis. So he illustrates those points I've made. So the world in which he lived was pretty dire. I mean, it was really bad. And God came to the point where he said to Noah, I am going to destroy this creation and start again. But you love God, so I want to protect you. So I want you, if we'd have had kids here, we'd have had all the animals out, but uh, we, will be, uh, we will miss the animals. But God asked Noah to build an ark. And this is what Noah's life is summarised as in the Hebrews Hall of Seven. Noah. Noah's comment, or about Noah. It says, by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. So he trusted God. He had a call to build an ark. And he had God's perspective. Because just those little words, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Would you build an ark? when everything around looked perfectly normal and God said, build an ark, what? Take the animals? It's all a bit scratchy head to think, what? But sometimes God's perspective is like that. It's faith, that's what faith is, that's what a people of faith is. So, I think all of you know that I had my 70th birthday back in March and I was over in America. And for those of you who don't know, my daughter married an American, so I go across the channel sort of three or four times a year to see my daughter and her husband and while I was there the most exciting thing that happened for my birthday was I was taken to the ark experience so there was a guy in America and or a group of men and women who felt that God was calling them in 2014 to actually build the ark by all the design plans in Genesis the length, the breadth, the depth, everything that it would do. And they did. And God provided the money. It was amazing. That's it. And I've actually seen the ark. And it looks just like I expect the ark to be. But just walking around it was totally amazing. It, it, I don't know. And, and this, this guy said, the guy who built it, uh, somebody, Ham, forgotten his name, but he said, this was laughed at. People in the newspaper said, what on earth is he doing? How stupid is he? And it must have been a bit like Noah. Noah would have said, what are you asking me to do, Lord? And how many people would have laughed at him? I suspect sometimes he doubted what he'd heard, but he kept on going. And that's it. As a people of faith, we're going to be laughed at. We're going to say, do you really mean that, Lord? 
that's what faith is. He's a supernatural God. He has supernatural answers. So never be afraid of that little bit of doubt. It's whether we keep on going that matters. So it's not easy. As we've said, Noah would have been laughed at. This chat was laughed at. The state said, do we want this Christian, unfortunately, it's Christian theme park. But uh, nevertheless, the ark's brilliant. Morning, everyone. My name is Chantal Anbanda, and I am new to Harrow Baptist Church. I'm a new member, and I will be baptized soon. I'm from Cape Town, South Africa. I'm to the thousands and just never left so you're stuck um, next slide please some of my story with you um, but since there are a few young people about uh, I won't go into too much detail oh, I'm a little vulnerable at the moment but also excited to kind of share this with you um, it's really freeing to finally speak about my journey in Christ. So what I went through as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult, isn't really fit for polite company. I have survived numerous amounts of abuse in all shapes, in all its shapes and forms. who were supposed to take care of me. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, 7 to 8 says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But for me, love was a foreign word. I didn't know what it was. I grew up into a very angry, unhappy, unloved adult. And because I couldn't punish the people who were responsible for hurting me, I ended up punishing myself. Because the people who were supposed to take care of me showed me I was fundamentally unlovable. Because I didn't have a good example of what good looked like or what good love looked like. I surrounded myself with toxic people. I did toxic things. But this isn't where my story ends. It's where it begins. Because God in his infinite wisdom saw another way of life for me. I know now that Christ has been calling me for a really long time. But because of the things that I was doing and the life that I was living, it didn't his voice was really small. I didn't, maybe because I'm stubborn, um, but I just continued to do what I'd been doing for a really long time. Maybe I willfully ignored his voice. Maybe the life I was living at the time was out his voice. But by 2019, I was growing increasingly angrier agitated, I was lost in my pain. At some point, or many points, I wanted to die. I just didn't want to live anymore. Next slide, please. 
the voice in my head was getting louder and louder. It kept saying, go, leave. And eventually I found the courage to ask, go where? Do what? Should I leave my home? Should I leave my friends? That I adopted as my own. But the more I tried to make sense of this feeling, the more the word leave or go resounded in my head. So I did. I left everybody and everything behind. The broken relationships I was involved in, the things that I was doing, my job, my home. strange to a lot of people but the pandemic was the best thing that ever happened to me because it did me it took me away from the people that I was involved in it took me away from the things that I was doing I couldn't go back I had to look forward so instead I scoured the internet for sermons how to read this incredible, momentous book, Bible studies, and the more that I read it, the more I empathized with the people in it. Because God used and still uses broken things for his kingdom and glory. His word showed me what love should look like. It was a guide to show me how to live in love. It was a guide to show me how to forgive, to live in forgiveness, to give forgiveness freely, to serve happily in response to what my Lord and Saviour did for me on the cross. He lifted me out of the hurt, the pain, the suffering, and the ferocious anger that had turned inward. My lifeline. He didn't stop there. He helped me to find a way through being caught up in the sins of other people, in the sins of up in my sins. He brought me out of darkness and he brought me to my knees. He showed me forgiveness. So I had no other choice but to, to forgive those who had hurt me, to forgive myself. And it was in this forgiveness that I found renewal, that I found change. And in gratitude, I spent every single day of what was a very devastating and crippling pandemic with my Lord and Saviour. And he changed me. I am no longer a discarded daughter. I am wholly loved by the creator of all things. Next slide, please. Sorry, that one. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. I can proclaim with a certainty that resounds in my heart that the woman standing before you today is not the woman I used to be. I look in the mirror, this mirror, each morning to affirm how far I've come so that I don't go back to the road of destruction that I was on. 
I am not alone. I am not lonely. I am enough and above all, I am loved. Thank you. people of faith. Frankie's going to do a quiz. So anybody who's falling asleep, you can wake up now. So we have some pictures up there. Famous people, famous people who've achieved great things through their faith. And people I think who have all overcome challenges. Just have a little look, just either talk to someone or just in your own thoughts, just see if you can. and drew national and international uh, attention to the evils of apartheid and he was very much for non-violent protest so what about number three sorry can I just hear that again I'm going to get Right, I'll just say that into the microphone. So he convinced Mandela, yeah. yes, to talk about them. About any kind, anyone who has done it, anyone. Yes. Yeah. Crimes that were being committed, yeah. yes. If one has killed somebody, to those who is relative, he will come to them and confess, and he will say that to ask Thank you so much. That's that's great. Now, number three, probably less well known, but does anybody recognise who that is? Yes, Nicky Gumbel. Yes. Well done. Yes. Now, sorry. Absolutely. So. What Mark is saying, uh, he was, uh, interestingly, he was originally an atheist, but then he came to uh, faith. He was a barrister, but he changed and he became a vicar, and he was the vicar at um, Holy Trinity Brompton, and he took over the Alpha Course, as Mark was saying. It was originally just for young Christians, but he decided to open it out to people with no faith or little faith. Uh, guess how many copies of the Alpha Course has been printed? Is it a guess? One million. Well done, Evelina. Yes, over one million. I think you had some help from behind, but over one million, and it's been into forty-eight languages. 
journey of faith he's he's had number four we should know number four. Moses yes and he didn't think he was up to the job did he he said to do what you're asking I don't think the people will the Israelites will believe me that I've heard from God but we know that he also faced many many challenges as he took the people from slavery into the promised land number five well done William Carey yes <laughs> fabulous so and we have William Carey Road yes now William Carey uh, his writings and his belief in the idea of going out from uh, founding the BMS, the Baptist Missionary Society, he also had to come overcome many, many challenges in terms of getting to India, in terms of his wife died, his, a number of his children died. But while he was there, he founded a university, he founded schools, he worked on social uh, reform. And one of his things was he decided to translate the Bible. Number six. David, yes, a very young shepherd boy. You wouldn't have thought that he was going to be Israel's greatest king. And he unified the tribes of Israel. He made Jerusalem the capital. And as you read through the Bible, obstacles he was constantly having to... And yet... He went to God and said... You know, I'm going to do it your way. You show me the way. Right, number seven. Mary. It is Mary, yes. It could be a number of others, but it is Mary. Now, what that young teenage girl would have had? What? Sorry? Getting pregnant and not married. Huge challenge for her. She would have been scared, yes, giving birth ideals. What other sort of challenges? Do you think when she went and told her family she was pregnant, do you think everybody would have believed she'd heard from God? Possibly not. Yes. So she, that young girl, I mean in those days, what, 14, 15 probably? That young girl faced many, many challenges, but she had the faith because that's what God was asking her to do. And then the challenge, of course, of um, standing at watching him going through the worst form of torture that was known at that time. Number eight. Mark will know this one. Graham Kendrick, yes. Graham Kendrick. Yes, now he, 
he's been known as the father of modern worship and he has written over over a hundred songs uh, and he's been writing and recording for 50 years however in the early days when he felt this call he did have many uh, challenges to overcome firstly at that time 50 years or so ago we just stood and sung hymns the idea of this what now we accept the idea of having guitars and standing singing not a hymn there was a challenge a lot of churches didn't think this was worshipful this wasn't the right way to worship there wasn't conferences the christian worship events in those days and people just didn't really have a way of getting their songs known and there wasn't really many publishing opportunities so in those early days when he felt god was calling him to worship his generation there was a lot of challenges he had to overcome but my word he how many songs do we know from graham kendrick and if you ever go to one of his uh, concerts they are so moving and he is still there singing and preaching and talking about how before he writes every song he spends time in prayer with god to say what do you want me to write about and he says the inspiration just comes so every one of those songs we sing has been inspired individually by by god right two to go number nine what do we know about zacchaeus he was a did you say tax collector i think i heard that yes tax collectors as you can imagine were seen as enemies by the jews because they were collecting taxes from the jews to give to the romans that obviously they resented as being an occupied country and tax collectors were known as kind of filtering off a bit of money for themselves C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. Now, um, we know C.S. Lewis from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He started out, uh, he'd been brought up a, a young Christian boy, but he, he became an atheist when he was 15, partly because of the Great War, and he felt that, how can I believe in a God that allows so much evil in the world? I don't believe, and he just lost his faith in God. And then, for through his 20s, he was an atheist. And then in his 30s, because he used to meet up in Oxford with a number of others, Tolkien was one of them, and Tolkien was very keen, to, and he, he sort of kept talking about the gospel, talking about Jesus. And 
C.S. Lewis, in all, in all his sort of academic discussions, said, I don't want to be. Christian and then he devoted a lot of his writing to all the books that we know about and yet all that time the academics in Oxford were just saying to him you're stupid why how on earth do you believe in God how can you be a Christian being an academic in Oxford and all the science that we know in Oxford how can you possibly still want to be a Christian and yet he persevered with his faith and carried on and said no I, I as an academic in Oxford but I have real faith and a lot of his books and he would be on the radio he entered into debates he, he discussed when people said about problems of suffering and pain and war and how can God allow all this and he entered into very high-level academic discussions with uh, people in Oxford but also was able to talk to the modern man to the talk to the person on the radio who also was struggling with their faith at that time about how you know, why has this person died? And he was able to enter into those dialogues. And so he was seen as a, as a very, very uh, important person in terms of using his faith, but enabling others to enter into uh, an understanding of God's uh, role and to God and to Christianity. Right. Thank you, Lynn. Our final person of faith that we're going to is Harriet Tubman. And Zion is going to come and tell us how she has been inspired by this lady. Thank you, Zion. Harriet Tubman, a woman of faith. Harriet Tubman was born in Dorchester County, Maryland, United States of America. In the 1820s, she was born to slavery and her name at birth was Araminta Ross. Life as, life as an, an enslaved person was different. In a one-room cabin with her family that included 11 children. When she was only six years old, she was loaned out to another family where she helped take care of a baby. She was sometimes beaten and all she got to eat was table scraps. At the age of 13, Harriet received a horrible head injury. It happened when she was visiting a hardware store in the town where she lived. However, a slave owner tried to, hit, tried to throw an iron weight at one of his slaves, but hit Harriet instead. The injury nearly killed her and caused her to have dizzy spells and blackouts for the rest of her life. After her journey, Tubman began experiencing visions and vivid dreams which she interpreted as re revelations from God. These spiritual experiences had a profound effect on Tubman's personality and she acquired a passionate faith in God. In, the eight, in 1849, Harriet decided to escape. She would use the
So, practicalities of you and me being people of faith is first of all you focus on God. Because in that one, one Hebrews, Hebrews 12 passage, it says, looking to Jesus. And all of those people of faith looked to Jesus, not to themselves, not to their own power, but to God. And the other, really, really, and this is the point of the whole service, is that they couldn't do it on their own. They needed the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us, the New Testament writers tells us that there is a form of godliness without power. If we don't have the power to do these things that God has asked us to do, then there is no point. And it is the Holy Spirit who comes and gives these people power to do what they've done. It gave William Carey the power to start rebuilding after his printing press had been burnt down. There's so many instances and we are asked to do things for God and we cannot do it on our own. Maybe 